0: An anthropologist proposed one game to the kids of an African tribal children. He placed a basket of fruits near a tree and made them stand 100 meters away. He announced that whoever reaches first would get all the fruits of the basket. When he said, ready, set, go, Do you know what these small children did? They all caught each other's hands and ran towards the tree together, divided the fruits among them and ate the fruits and enjoyed it. When the anthropologist asked them, why did you do a thing like that? Why didn't you just go ahead, first person to the tree, take all of the fruits, The children replied, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, which means how can one be happy when all the others are sad? Ubuntu in their language means I am because we are. Listen, (laughs) I am Anne-Marie Host of About This Life love stories. I love storytelling because they tell us a lot about who we are. So many lessons that we can learn, so much we can take away from. Besides, they're fun. <laughs> we get to laugh and we get to giggle over all of these stories. So Ubuntu, spelled U-B-U-N-T-U, literally means our humanity. So the children felt how can one be happy when all the others are sad? It'd be amazing if we lived Ubuntu. Welcome to About This Life where, oh my goodness, I have a guest today. And her name is Miss Jean Green. Jean, welcome to the show. It is a pleasure to have you. I know just a little bit about you. I know, I know we have a common something in common, and that is Toastmasters. So we're counting all our ands and our souls this evening, right? But we're counting all of them because we know we're not supposed to say that. Tell us a little bit about you, Jean.
1: Thank you, Anne-Marie, for inviting me on and sharing your space with me. I am a Toastmaster, and it has been one of my happiest accomplishment is to reach the top level simply because one of the reasons or the main reason because I am an introvert and in order to get there there were things that I had to put blinders on my emotions on my thoughts and just put my head down and just barrel right through because it was so nerve-wracking and my favorite crutch words are, so, and hopefully, I'll be able to control those today. But <laughs> we're not keeping track today, are we? we not.
0: I'm not judging. I might do it before you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm also a storyteller, and I also do facilitate story. Crafting workshops for individuals and nonprofits—that is also a joy of mine, and I just, I love storytelling, and I think that helped me get through or working in Toastmasters. I am still a Toastmaster member as of today. I need to be there in order to keep going and speaking.
0: So obviously, oh. you love words. Anybody who is a storyteller, is in love with words. When did you fall in love with words?
1: I, I grew up with, when well, my grandparents lived with us, I didn't realize at that young age that it was considered storytelling, but my granddad would always tell us stories about our ancestors and he made them so real that although they had been dead years and years before, He brought them alive and I would just sit and listen and listen. And I would ask him, well, granddad, will you tell me the story about this person or that person? And he never seemed to get tired of it. And I I enjoyed that, but I didn't realize it was storytelling. But anytime I would hear the title, someone is telling a story, my ears would perk up and I would listen. I was fascinated by it. It really wasn't until COVID hit and the world shut down. I'd never been much of a social media person, but I kept seeing this ad come through my Facebook page for Capital Storytelling, free workshop, learn how to tell stories. And I thought, how do you learn to tell stories? But I was so bored talking to the walls. I thought, okay, it's virtual. So I don't have to be face to face with anyone. So let's do it. And I was truly scared to death. Learned at that first session that we all tell stories. Anytime we talk almost, we're telling a story of some kind or other. And I just kept going, taking classes. And then I was asked to be, this was twenty. 20, yeah, last year, 2022, to be an ambassador for the organization, which means I would go out, do workshops, bring in, um, get other people interested. And then after my, after that ended, uh, the director asked if I would be a workshop facilitator. And I am just, I, I, I am so in love with it. And I never thought of it as being a lover of words, because I, One of my things is, I am a person of few words. So it's interesting that you would say, I
0: love love words. words. words." That's interesting. It still works though, because Uh, I uh, I think of poets, how poets are able to say the most in the fewest words as possible. So I want to bring it back to that little girl though, okay? Because, listen, teach. (laughs) There's not that many kids who's going to sit and at the attentiveness of their grandparents and want to hear everything, okay? There's that, to hold their attention span. Oh my God. There's something, you mentioned the ancestors and that's what his stories were about. Was it the closeness with your grandfather? Was it the story itself? Was it the time that you had? Was it, Is it because you're an introvert? Did you find safety in that space and time? I'm trying to get to the description of it because we can have a hundred children, right? <laughs> but yeah. you decided you're going to listen to your grandfather.
1: I think it's yes to all of the above. My my granddad was he was like the community teacher, leader, I guess. He had this very calm, quiet voice, but everyone knew that he would you could only push just so much and Honestly, I don't think I ever heard him raise his voice. Well, maybe once, but he would just kind of clear his throat and just kind of look and whatever was going on ceased. It didn't care. It didn't matter the age of the person. So apparently he made his self known early on. This is who I am. I'm always real. I'm, I'm what I am. I'm authentic that wasn't a term they used back then but because he would always say you don't need a handshake you give a person your word and you keep it and that's what that's how he was and and i think because of the softness and the peace in his voice and he would just tell it in this kind of slow rhythmic way that I I was fascinated in the way he told the stories about his parents and his grandparents and, and the trials and tribulation they went through. And he, he went all the way back into slavery and he talked about that. And you're right. As a, as a little kid, most of my cousins would only listen for just a moment, but I was just fascinated and I would just sit and listen. I was kind of like, with my granddad, as they say, stamped to a letter. Wherever he went, if I could go, I was there. I, I just had that love. And yes, it was security because I knew when I was with my granddad, I was good.
0: Awesome. Stamped awesome. Awesome. to a letter. I told you you love words. Stamped <laughs> to a letter. I, I, I need to borrow that one. Do you have a story you can share with us? Can you think of one? I know I'm putting
1: you on the spot. <laughs> I I can't. A lot of my stories center around my granddad or my mom. So yes, I this is the holiday season. Christmas is coming up, and Christmas always my favorite time of year. So I could tell a story about Christmas and a Christmas tree and my granddad if that absolutely worked. Hey, hey. okay. <laughs> well. To the best of my remembrance, I was nine or ten years old. And well, like just a little backstory. I grew up in rural, rural Mississippi, where the only light at night was the stars in the sky and fireflies flies. That was the light so far back. We didn't not celebrate a lot of holidays because we were always working or in school. So I a life, my life consisted of going to school, coming home eating, working, going to bed, and wash and repeat, as they say. So we would celebrate Christmas. And Christmas was not just one-day event. We would work up until Christmas Eve. So about noon on Christmas Eve, work stopped. Now in the meantime, though, be, fruit grew everywhere except red apples and oranges and there were no walnuts so somewhere along the way like the beginning of December my mom would go into town and she would buy fruit so the house is already smelling with these apples and oranges which mm, built anticipation of the coming celebration and as I said at noon on Christmas Eve work stopped and we began to continue in preparation for Christmas. We would get a Christmas tree on Christmas Eve and we lived in the country. So we just walked the hills and found a tree. Most of the time it was my mom and I that went and I think she had already scoped the tree out, but this year for some reason, my granddad went to get the tree. And as I said to you before, Wherever he went, I was always tagging along. So when it was decided that he would go get the tree and it was it was a real misty day, I can still just kind of feel the chill in the air. It was a misty day and and he started getting his handsaw and his hatchet and I said, granddad, can I go with you? And he just kind of looked with a slight little smile, never said yes, but that was my... That was my yes from him when I would see that slight little smile. So he said, You gotta put a jacket on. So I went, got my jacket, and I said, Can I carry the hatchet? Kim. No, you might cut yourself, but you can carry the saw. So he gave me the saw, which was almost as long as I was, and I was kind of dragging it. So we we're walking and walking and walking, looking for a tree. We would get to one, he would stop, and to me, and a nine-year-old eyes, it was a beautiful tree. It was shaped like a Christmas tree. It's like, granddad, that's it, that's it. And he would just kind of look and say, no. And we would keep walking. It seemed like hours we walked. And personally, I think he probably got tired of walking and he got tired of my chatter because I was chattering the whole time. And he would just kind of grunt every now and then to let me know he was listening. So we get to this ugly, ugly tree, a cedar (laughs) tree. And it's lopsided, the limbs on one side is like hanging like like a bird with a broken wing. And it's just drooped. And I thought, oh, I know he's not gonna get that. Now, one thing growing up in a country with, with black parents and grandparents, you don't talk back to them. So you're always respectful. But when he looked at the tree and he wrenched his hand back and said, give me the saw. And I said, no, granddad, no, that's an ugly tree. You can't get that. Uh-oh, uh-oh. And he said, it'll be okay. I said, no, Granddad, that's an ugly tree. We can find a better tree. And as I said, I, he must have been tired. But then he had this internal vision I found out later. So I gave him the saw and the tree was about, five feet and I I am saying five feet because I remember my granddad was like five nine and I can remember how high the tree came on him so I think it was about five feet the limbs went all the way to the ground now as I said it was a misty day really kind of damp but he had to lay down on his stomach to get the saw to cut the tree off and I am almost in tears because that was such an ugly tree But he saw it and he said, okay, I can't watch you. So you have to stay out of the way. The tree might fall in your direction. All I'm thinking about is, why are you cutting that ugly tree? tree. (laughs) I, I could not understand. So I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden he yelled, look out. And I jumped out of the way just in time before the ugly tree hit me he said you aren't paying attention I told you the tree might fall in your direction because I couldn't see and I'm fighting back tears probably if the tree had hit me then I could have cried and I would have felt better but he got up picked the tree up and stood it up and looked around and I, I still thought that is the ugliest tree why did you get it He got the saw, he cut off some of the two rows of the branches near the base. And he said, this will be all right, just wait and see. Just wait and see. So he's pulling the the tree, gave me the saw back. We get home. Now this was way long time ago.
0: We did not have (laughs) running
1: water. We had these big uh, 30, 40 gallon barrels that we caught rainwater in. So he took the tree to the back and set it stood it up in a galvanized tub and then he went and got these two two boards and made like a cross kind of sort of and nailed it on the bottom of the tree so it would stand up. Then he stood the tree up in the tub. He got a bucket and went to the big barrels and got water and started pouring it on the tree. Typically, I would be right there helping. Whoever's doing it, I want to help too, but not this time because that.
0: That was What's
1: a ugly trick. Ugly, 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 ugly. So he kept pouring the water and he did that to get all the dirt and stuff off that was on the tree. And so he would turn and he would pour more water and then he'd look and he said, Okay. And he didn't say very, very seldom say it much unless he had a purpose to talk. And I don't think he felt he needed to explain anymore to me. So he walked inside. And then he and my mom and grandma came out. My mom came out with a bucket that had flour, like flour you make bread out of in, and, and a sifter. And she came out and my grandmother, they walked up to the tree. And so my grandmother took the top of the tree and my mother started sifting flour over this wet cedar tree. And my grandmother would turn it and my mother would just sift the flour, And then my granddad was standing by. He said, I think you got it all. Now, my mom is a germaphobe. So the sifter and pan she had was her special Christmas, Christmas tree sifter and pan that she kept in a bag because she would never take anything out of the kitchen, outside and take it back in and use it for a meal of food. So in any case, the tree set up and is cool is getting late. And it's not drying because it's so cold. And then my dad come home and he go out, he get the tree and it's still not completely dry, but he bring it inside where the heat from the heater would finish drying the flower on it. My, My job was to help decorate the tree. I would throw the little tinsels on and put garland around the bottom. And we had these little red holly berries that were made in, in different little ornaments. So I always looked forward to that. But this year, I thought, how is this tree going to be? I don't even want to do this. Not so
0: the even tree with went, the flower on it, like snow? <laughs>
1: that, that was, all I could see was the ugly tree. I, I didn't look at the flock of the tree, so but once it dry inside, it was probably around nine o'clock, eight, nine at night. And my mom said, okay, you wanna decorate the tree? And I went in and looked and I, I thought, hmm, not too bad. And I started decorating and then I heard the door creak and I looked back and my granddad had peeked his head in And he had this big old smile on his face and i thought so you knew you could work miracles with this ugly tree (laughs) and that it really would look like christmas so you know when i think about that i think how many times have i let the good thing pass because i'm looking at the part that's not perfect Mm.
0: we, and how many times have we done it in our lives like we ignore something because yes. it's not perfect yes. and the magic is in the people
1: <laughs> yes 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 and the beauty is in within
0: so the magic is in the people and yes, and what is. we do because it, it was a community event because Granddad uh he cut the tree, you were with him, then mom comes in. That's a tip. It's present <laughs> sifted flower to create snow. Okay. We can learn something from these stories. Okay. <laughs> and it's so beautiful to think that something that you would have just walked by in search of perfection was yes. already perfect.
1: It was. Once he worked his magic and my mom put the artificial snow on, it was a beautiful tree.
0: It worked Mm -hmm. for perfection and it did what it needed to do. Yes. So I love the stories that you learned uh, growing up. Is your granddad still with you?
1: No, no, unfortunately not. He has been... been gone over 50 years now but his memory is so alive and fresh in my heart that yeah yeah
0: it's more than the the memories because at this point you have become the carrier of the stories that he used to tell so it's almost Mm -hmm. as though and maybe he knew it when you were a little girl is that this person is going to carry the stories forward.
1: I never thought of it that way, but perhaps you're right because my cousins will call and say, what about this person and who was that? And so perhaps you're right. I, I never thought about it. Absolutely.
0: So it's yeah. like you're the family Gria. <laughs> Gria, how do we say the word griot? <laughs>
1: Gria, yes. <laughs>
0: You are the family grill because everybody comes to you because you know the people and you know the stories because you are paying attention. See what happens to an introvert. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, yes, listen. <laughs> See what happens to an introvert. You were you were studying and you didn't even know you were studying.
1: I did not. No, I. I thought I, it was just joy, you know, it, it was better than radio.
0: <laughs> so, so let me, let me see if I can make magic here because it's almost as though, uh, Gene, I can make the analogy in terms of the tree because like you didn't see you, you, we opened a show and you said that you're an introvert. Yes. Shy. And I can relate that, that I can connect with that. But at some point, the stories take over. The sharing of the stories is the most important thing. Then that becomes a life of its own. So it comes from within, no longer uh, from without. No need to wait for validation from an outside source because the story is, is embedded in you. It's inside of you. So that's the carrier of the stories. That's, the, you are the griot. <laughs> I just need to learn how to say the word right. <laughs> I can't say it at all, so I can't help you. <laughs> well, somebody help us, please. <laughs> so maybe when you take it back to a Toastmasters meeting, you can going to say, how do we say this word? G-R-I-O-T, the griot. Is it griot or griot? I want to say griot. Like the T the T, I believe, is silent. silent. The grito. <laughs> in terms of being an introvert, moving all the way through where you are an ambassador for an organization where you are a workshop facilitator, what does that mean? Workshop facilitator? You introduce other storytellers, you, you you now, what does that mean? Workshop facilitator.
1: Workshop facilitator means that I teach others how to pull memories from their head, from their heart and develop them into stories to share with the community or their families. So it's a method of pulling out the memory because too often, and I did this too, I would say, I don't have a story, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I had a lot of memories. So I, I had to understand that memories make the story. So once you have that memory, then you start thinking about where were you? What were you doing? Who was with you? How did you feel? How did it end? And then, why does that memory stick with you? So we work through those steps to help individual develop their own stories from their memories
0: to help them, to help them, develop, them. develop their yeah. own stories. Th- there are some parallels to people who do work at coaching and reparenting because in reparenting you have to pull out a memory. Exactly where you were, so on and so forth. But then I also hear the difference. The difference or, or the purpose is to be able to go back and tell the story. Am I am I on the right track?
1: Yes, you are. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. in telling the story, before I tell, before I share with you what I think that means, share with us what you what you mean, and then I'll add to it. What? <laughs> why is it important that they tell the story
1: it's important because stories make connection so if we have for instance we'll use you and I you don't know too much about me I don't know too much about you but if you develop a story from your memory I share one from mine we would be totally different but there will be something within those stories that connect us as a community, so in, in teaching story crafting, there will be a variety of people, but once they sit, and we call it building the skeleton and then putting the flesh on it, and when they share that, it one person could have been on one side of the world and another one, but they had similar situation Sometimes they've gone through similar traumas, but they're different. And that make the connection where that we understand that yes, we're different, yet we're not different. And we connect and we can and we can understand each other better, developing a better and a stronger world and better community.
0: Amen. Amen. Tell um, me the name of your organization again.
1: It's Capital Storytelling.
0: Do you work with people I think about where this work can change lives like I think about the different races
1: mm-hmm. ethnicities yes
0: when we tell one another stories we find out so you found magic in that in that spot in that sweet spot yes.
1: absolutely 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 it is so it is so amazing so heartwarming it, it transcends any fear that i have knowing expecting the outcome from the situation because when when i do the storycrafting workshop it, the audience is varied it can be across the spectrum and i've also done uh, virtual class just finished one a four week class last month and March I will do another four week class virtual and even though it's virtual there's such a connection and regardless of the race or the ethnicity of the people there it's like to become family. It's so amazing. I I I don't know how else to explain that. In your
0: experience In our- with the organization Who listens to the stories? So for example, if you take me, I have stories to share, right? Yes. Who's going to listen to me? Am I sharing my story with my family? Am I sharing it at a church or a community center? Who listens to these stories?
1: It can be all of the above. We have once a month, first Saturday we have community lab or open mic. So anyone can go to the website, sign up to share a story. And we are all over. They can be from anywhere. We have um, facilitated, we have one in Colorado, New York, on the East Coast. As a matter of fact, the director of the organization, although the organization is headquartered, in Sacramento, the director lives on the East Coast. So we're all over. And once we teach individual how to share their story, it's up to them where they share it. Now, this the class that I just finished, one of the young ladies is a, I, I believe she says she's a teacher and she wanted to learn how to share her story with some of her students to help them understand that they are not alone. So it you share them just whatever. In your everyday life. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: In your everyday yeah. life. So we learn how to tell stories so that for the introvert, which is on one way that I can make a connection with Eugene is because I was an introvert as a child. I was never picked for the Relay races, or they, I was the last one picked in gym because <laughs> I could not play basketball, could not run, could not sing, uh, do any of those things. That oh, gave I me a you. Complex. <laughs> oh, I had a complex, but uh, but I lost myself in books. I lost myself in stories in the narratives and I literally I can like read a thick book in one or two days. That's all I did went to school came home and read books. So it's amazing to me because I have found ways I I define myself as an introvert who's learned how to do extrovert things. I like that. I like that. Yes, because there's a certain sense of vulnerability that's still there. It it hasn't gone away. You, you reach a certain age and, and you understand and you're secure in who you are. But at the same time, you're vulnerable in front of people. Yes. That takes a lot of yes. risk and that takes a lot of courage.
1: Absolutely. You yes. have found
0: a way. You have found a path that might, that will help someone.
1: And it does. But even, even though, as you said before, I get lost in the story because I'm reliving it. When I, I, I do tell stories in public at function. And as I'm walking up the step on the stage, I am shaking. But once I start this, I, I, I do. I get lost in it. And I don't focus on who's around or what's going on. I'm reliving that situation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It it sounds like, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like healing.
1: It It is. It's therapeutic. As we say, it is not therapy, but it's therapeutic.
0: It, it's therapeutic and I, I think about our elders as well. Yes. And their ability to share stories and have stories to be shared with them. So it's it's just amazing, Jane. Um, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> I will make one other connection with you because I am, I am the baby of five. I often tell my oldest sister, I wish she would take up telling the stories because we were born in the Caribbean and she knows all of the people, right? right? She knows the events and who's related to who and so on and so forth. And I don't because I was raised in the U.S. Maybe it was meant she has so she has piece of the story, but maybe it was meant for me and her to team up.
1: <laughs> That's true to bring that connection and closeness of the two of you,
0: absolutely. In order to tell the story, yes. Gene, so how do people get in touch with you or get in touch with the organization?
1: The organization you can go to capitalstorytelling.com. That's the organization.
0: Or Say one more have, time.
1: Oh, capital with an A, capital storytelling.com. Oh, awesome, and, and I can be reached. Just DM me from Facebook, Gene Green. Gene Green.
0: That mm-hmm. is amazing. I love this conversation. You know, so many people search for meaning in, in their lives. This might be one way to carry the memories of your family forward. Yes. It not might be, it is those people who would like to take up the mantle and be a light and make storytelling perhaps as, as the center of their family gatherings, especially as we happen upon this holiday season and Christmas. What's gonna stick out to me was the flower on the tree. <laughs> so that's how I know I am going to remember this story.
1: So every time you have to use flower, you will remember the other
0: I will Christmas remember tree. the story. <laughs> So what I would like to say is we are here, we are changing our lives one day at a time. I am Anne-Marie, host of About This Life. My guest today has been Jean Green. We hope that we have given you something to think about and what you can do, what uh, way you can explore. And by the way, if you are interested in becoming a better speaker, in ter- and even practice telling stories. Toastmasters is a wonderful organization. There are chapters worldwide. So no matter where you are, everywhere, all you have to do is search, put in a zip code. There will be Toastmasters Club all around you. Anne-Marie, host of About This Life, take care.